Welcome to the Thing About Us podcast. I'm your host, Fiona, and this is the Teacher's Lounge edition. I'm flying solo today for the second time in my podcasting career. I'm feeling just a little bit out of my element without my king by my side, but nevertheless, the show must go on. So sit back, relax with me in my first installment of the Teacher's Lounge. So let me, be be- let me begin first by giving my shout outs. This week, I would like to shout out Victoria from 12th Street Talkback. Friday, she hosted a Queen's Table Talk, and I was a guest along with Chiquita from Chronicles of a Virgo and Charmonique from Catch These Vibes podcast. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to chat with up with these ladies as we talked about everything from what it's like being a, a black woman in today's society to mentoring our youth and even relationships. So if you haven't already, make sure to check her out. Again, that is Victoria from 12th Street Talkback Podcast. And you can find her on almost any uh, any and all platform, podcast streaming platforms, and also on YouTube. So let's get into it. My week in review. So as you all know, it's back to school time. Hence, um the teacher's lounge title for my my podcast. I had to go into the office yesterday, which is, I say office, but I mean the classroom yesterday, which was Sunday to kind of go ahead and start getting ready and put the finishing touches on my classroom so it could be ready. And we started our official meetings and trainings today. So I go into the office yesterday. I got up, went to Sunday school first, Ran on down, got into the classroom. It didn't take me very long. The building was open from 8 to 3. I probably got there about 11.30, but it didn't take me too long to do my finishing touches. I had to get my library back together, put school supplies away. And my most daunting task always is keep cleaning off my desk. It is hard as a teacher to keep my desk clear. So that was what I did yesterday. Finished uh, a little bit before the building closed, 2.20, and so I struck out like lightning, trying to enjoy my final countdown before getting back to the grind. So much so that by the time I got to my car and, and got settled in, I realized I had left my phone inside the classroom. Not a big deal, right? So I thought, this is how it became a big deal. First, let me tell you, we use our ID badges as our keys to open up the door to get in and out of the building. But they disable it on weekends because school not in se- school's not in session and there's no need really for teachers to be in the building and it cuts down on traffic. So our principal was there, you know, during the time that the building was open, but she just so happened to not be in the front office or the hallway when I tried to get back in. So I'm at the door, I'm ringing the doorbell. No answer. I'm knocking on the window. No answer. Okay, let's try something else. So I hop back in my car, drive around to the other side of the building, ringing the doorbell. I knock on a couple of the uh, office windows thinking maybe she would hear me. 
nothing. So now I'm like panicking. What do I do? How do I get in? Need my phone. You know how technology is today. We can't live, live without our phones. So I go back to the car. As luck would have it, I had my laptop with me. So I opened it up and I could connect to the school Wi-Fi since I was just right outside. And I commenced to logging in Facebook thinking, all right, let me see if I can message one of my colleagues who would give her a call, give the principal a call to let her know I'm trying to get in the building. So I start sending out messages after the third message. Panic is really starting to set in. So I finally get a hold of somebody, and they call the principal, let me in the building, get my phone. By this time, I'm flustered. So mind you, I left out of the building at 2.20, shuts down at 3. All of this wasn't taken care of, got my phone to the car until 3.02. By that time, I was done for, already dreading back to school and getting into the grind. But anyway... Um, as you all are very much aware, last week, the king and I came to you from separate locations. While he was home, feeling all comfy cozy, I was out with my 16-year-old celebrating his birthday. So, you all know we had his birthday party at an Airbnb with seven of his closest friends. Now, my son is an introvert, and so there are times when I kind of worry about him being socially awkward. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't always as quiet, and as a matter of fact, he was quite the opposite when he was little. He was rather rambunctious and into everything. One of my nicknames for him is, I called him my escape artist. Why? Because nothing could hold him. Not car seats, high chairs, strollers, not even playpens. He'd always managed to find a way to get out. And when you went back to the scene of the crime after he had escaped, everything was still intact. All buckles, snaps, fastens, still done up. I never quite knew how he escaped. And I can't even begin to count the number of times that I was driving down the highway and just so happened to look in the rearview mirror only to see him walking back and forth across the back seat. I would have to pull over. Fasten them back in once again. But I digress. You can tell a lot by a person, um, by the people that they surround themselves with. You know, you hear that saying all the time. And so seeing him in his element with his friends made me feel confident in the foundation that I had laid for him as a parent. Now, I miss those days because my sweet little son has now become the typical self-absorbed teenager. And for parents of teens, you know what I'm talking about. He's in his room a lot. He's on his phone with his friends. I'm playing video games. Now, he still comes out to check on me at least, at least once or twice throughout the day. But oftentimes, the exchanges are of few words and you know how it is. Hey, how's your day? Fine. What you doing? Nothing. What you gonna get into? Not much. <laughs> and so what I've noticed is that he's definitely beginning to um, what us old older generation call smelling himself. As a teenager, he's starting to test the waters. Testing the waters with his attitude and the idea of coming into his own. And, you know, 
with that identity crisis, the sass is at an all-time high. Now, don't get me wrong. He doesn't come out of pocket and get disrespectful, talking back. But you can tell by tone and body language um, when, when they're thinking the things that they know better than to say. Teenagers, what is it about it when they hit that age? And it's not just 16. You know, sometimes it happens is in that early preteen phase, 12 and 13, when they're only interested in the things that they want and things that are pleasing to them with no regard for others. It's like they're in limbo between being a kid and being a young, young adult. And when I say adult, I'm definitely using that term loosely. So luckily, research and experience take it firsthand. This is it's my second rodeo with the teenagers. It was a different experience with my daughter. Um, so, yeah, there's a difference when you're talking about raising boys and girls. There's differences when you're talking about firstborn and lastborn, or in my case, first child and second child. And so um, experience proves that it's just a phase and eventually it'll pass. Prayerfully, it will pass. But that's no help when you're a parent and you're in the thick of it. You ready to pull out your hair. You're ready to pull out their hair. You know, any and everything. So my child is developing, expressing, and testing his independence and definitely testing my limits. So one of the things he doesn't value necessarily doing so much is chores. And as parents, you know what a hassle it can be when it comes to chores. Now... He doesn't like it, but, you know, normally don't have too much, a pro- too much of a problem out of him when it comes to doing it. He know, knows what he has to do. He knows the expectations. But as of late, I've noticed that he's become very lackadaisical in doing his chores and also um, with the way he's doing his chores, especially when I talk about in a timely manner. And so... Or sometimes not even at all, depending on the day and what he has going on. That's what I'm talking about when I mean that self-centeredness. Um, it's gotten to the point so much so that we took a trip to the therapist. You know, my husband and I, we always talk about mental health and how important it is and to you know, be mindful of the things that are going on. He's at that critical age where he's a teenager, you know, last year he's had, you know, a few issues at school with students and then um, feeling like maybe teachers or staff are not necessarily um, taking the situations as seriously or doling out the punishments that, that he may, that others may receive. So, you know, I just want to always be mindful and check in with my kids, let them know that their voices are heard and, that I care. So, like I said, testing the limits. So we took a trip to the therapist. And it was during this appointment that I realized <laughs> that he really didn't give a damn about owning up to his errors or his mistakes or dealing with the consequences. He only wanted what he wanted and how he wanted it. Now, I'm a reflective person And I always like to make sure that I'm taking time to look at me and 
it how or if I'm contributing to the problem. So during that, during that reflection, in several conversations with the king, I realized that part of the blame does lie with me. It lies with me and my inconsistency as a parent with dealing out, doling out discipline. You know, a lot of times we get mad, fly off the handle, and have no problem issue, issuing punishments or whatever, making those consequences. But, you know, sometimes even I admit, you know, eh, we've... For lack of a better word, uh, a phrase, you know, we get a little soft sometimes as parents. And so I, I realized that about me. And so this was one of those lessons learned the hard way. So as we continue this teen thing, please keep us lifted in prayer that we all survive. Me, him, and the king. And by that, I really mean him. This too shall pass. Yeah, that song pretty much sums it up, and I couldn't have found a better pick to insert. Take your time, don't rush, and Lord Jesus. So between dealing with my own kids and students in my classroom, sometimes the load can be overbearing. However, with that, I will say that they both can be equally as equally rewarding. Motherhood, you know, when I had my first child, Motherhood, I can say, is one of the best jobs I've ever had. I can also say that with my career. You have to learn to take the good with the bad. And speaking of the bad, my summer has officially come to, the, come to an end. I returned to work, and today was my first day. I went reluctantly, kicking and screaming. I swear it seems like the summer seemed to get shorter and shorter. You know, my husband and I, we talked about that last episode we got out in June and already back, and it's not August 1st. But as I enter year 25 of teaching, I reflect on where it all began. Sometimes it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly when I decided I wanted to, be te wanted to become a teacher. That's because I've never wanted or even considered being anything else. No other profession. There was no... And I can say, thinking back, there wasn't necessarily a specific teacher that led me to this decision. And although I've had a few memorable ones in my lifetime, beginning with kindergarten, you know, kindergarten is your first experience with school. And I can say that first year I had a teacher that was amazing. And I guess what I would consider instilled or fostered my love for learning. And as luck would have it, my very first teacher was a black woman, Miss Kennerly. I will never forget her. She was so sweet. She was kind. And she made all of us feel special. As a kid, I remember days running up to hug her, clinging to her skirt because it seemed like she always wore skirts. And she would bend down to hug me. You know, back then when you were a kid, I felt like she was six feet tall, kind of what you would consider to be a gentle giant. <laughs> 
or so I thought. But let me ask you this. Have you know how when you're a kid, things always seem larger than life? Have you all ever taken the time and for whatever reason, gone back to your old elementary school and when you get there, everything seems so much smaller than you remember. I had that experience when I ran into Miss Kennerly again as an adult. And I mentioned her being what I consider to be larger than life. But in reality, we were the same height, a whopping five feet, two inches. You know, I guess it's just that our memories get frozen in time when you look back. So Miss Kennerly, she wasn't the only uh, memorable educator in my life. I know I've talked to you about my high school counselor before, Miss Churchill, because she's the one to help me to apply for college. But let me get back on track. He, uh, the king often reminds me I tend to ramble on and ramble on, and I do. So I've kind of got myself a, a, a check, a checklist, bullet point to make to keep me on track. <laughs> a mind is a terrible thing to waste, y'all. But let me give you a little bit of a background on why education was so important in my journey. I was born in a two-parent household, but my parents divorced early on. I think I was just in third grade, and it forced us to move back in with my grandmother in an apartment in the projects. Now, my grandmother, she was from the South, born in Georgia way back in 1919. We're talking a long time ago. So if you think we have racial issues now... I can just imagine, you know, the things that she saw and the things that she went through. Now, my grandma wasn't a slave, but she was born in that era, and she knew the, she knew about slavery and the culture of racism very well, firsthand knowledge, because we're talking about 1919. She didn't come from much, but she moved here to Kentucky after her father passed away. You know, she told, she would often tell me stories about her childhood, but um, her mother had passed away before her father did. And so her father kind of raised her and her sister. And so he passed away and left her a little money. She said she bought her car and her and my grandfather ended up in Kentucky. I don't know how, but you know, that's, those are, you know, some of the things that I remember of her telling me. I also remember, uh, her telling me that she didn't finish school. She dropped out. And as a matter of fact, even my mom was a dropout like her mother before her. She had left school before graduating. But what I do remember as a kid in middle school is I remember my mom going back to get her GED. I remember the nights that she would go to class after working long shifts during the daytime. I remember her being so tired, sometimes going to class in a uniform from work. But she did it. One of the things that sticks out most, and I distinctly remember, is how excited she was and how proud she was after finally passing her exam and being a graduate. I remember the smile that she had on her face holding up that certificate. She was so proud. And my mom, she always emphasized to us, you know, my brother and my sisters and I, that we should go to college after high school. Now, she wasn't a college graduate, and I don't think she knew the process of, you know, what it took to apply to get in. But just because she wasn't a, gradu a graduate doesn't mean that she didn't hold education high. After her struggles, I, you know, as a parent, we always want our kids to be better than we, than we are. And I'm sure she felt the same way. So 
I just want to take this time to give thanks to those people who believed in me and who went the extra mile. They are all a part of the village that helped to make me who I am today. And who would have thought a little brown girl from such humble beginnings would be the person I am now? The thing about having significant people like that in your life, people who I consider to be mentors, they've made me want to be that person for others who need that extra love or the extra push to, to be great. People who see the things in them that they don't even see in themselves. Now, throughout my life, I've always been the one to give back. I've, I was an independent child in high school. I signed my stuff myself up into all different types of clubs, pep club, band. I went as far as to volunteer as a candy striper back in the day. And I'm dating myself when I use that term. For those of you who don't know what a candy striper is, it's just a person under a, under 18 who volunteers in a hospital. And I started off by volunteering at the children's hospital. I used to rent a toy cart. So I'd walk around going from room to room, letting the kids check out toys from the toy cart. And then as I got a little bit older, I moved on to the university hospital working the front desk. So not only that, I volunteered at the home of it, home of the innocents, and that's a place where you have kids who have been abandoned, or you have parents with kids who have gotten out of volatile situations, whether it be domestic violence or whatever. Um, I've done all those types of things. I've even, as an adult, volunteered with the Black Achievers Program, and that's a program that I went through in high school and I earned a scholarship you know as a way to help me further my education so I always feel like you hear the saying um the one to whom much is given much is always required and I take that to heart part of my philosophy in life is that you have to live part of your life for others you got to pour into others and give a helping hand. You always reach back and pick people up. Otherwise, what's really the point? You know, we can go through life just living day to day, but it's all about helping others. At least that's the way I see. It. That's the way I see it. And so my passion for teaching and my journey in into education began. I think back to my first year of teaching. Lord, you talk about young and green. I taught at an urban elementary school with a, a challenging population of students, so much so that I felt like if I could make it here, I could make it everywhere, anywhere, not everywhere. Well, everywhere and anywhere, I guess you could say. They broke me in well. I never forget my very first year of teaching, I taught fifth grade. And once that year was over, I swore, God willing, I would never teach fifth grade again. Now that I'm back to teaching fifth grade some 20, some 20 odd years later, I realized it wasn't necessarily that the fifth grade was so challenging. Don't get me wrong, they have a separate set of issues, but you couple that with a first year teacher just thrown in the midst trying to find my way, it, was, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was, you know, just looking back. So I credit them for breaking me in and making me the teacher I am today, having that strong discipline and, and, and academic background. 
So there was also the gratification from the parents who appreciated the efforts, you know, I went through with their kids and the joy in the little faces of those children, you know, looking at a kid and seeing when they finally get it. So fast forward to now, so many years later, students' experiences. I love it. Teaching has always been my passion. I still love motivating students. I love watching them learn, um, seeing those aha, aha moments, giving them academic lessons in the classroom, furthering their education, and not just that, but life lessons. You know, there are times when you have to sit down and have those conversations with kids. I had a, a particular student that I used to have, have lunch bunch with because she needed guidance, she needed attention, and sometimes I'd be a little reluctant because we get stingy with our private time during the day. But at the end of it all, you know, those kids need you more than anything. The thing is, this many years later down the line, my light shines just a little bit dimmer. Children today aren't like the children were when I first began. Thinking back to my childhood, when I was growing up, we got to be kids. We got to run and play. It's not so much the same anymore. Children today, they come into the classroom with so much trauma that it comes out in the behaviors that we see. Unfortunately, the youth of today don't have the luxury that most of us had growing up playing and being a kid, a lot of them are dealing with adult responsibilities that they shouldn't have to. So as I reflect, I just want to give a, a, a little, a few pieces of advice to parents. Remember, you are their first teacher. Expectations of what I do are really high. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I said, it's my passion, but teaching is a job. I build on the foundation that you lay as parents at home. So parents, if you expect me to do my job, I need you all to kick in and, and do your job too. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about every every uh, parent. You know, it, we have some that just need to do more. And some parents out there don't know what to do to help their child when it comes to school. But that's what we're here for. Working together, we can make sure that they are all successful. When you do your job, it makes my job easier, and it's more beneficial for students. So let me give you a few ways that you can be more active and supportive as a parent at home. Number one, keep tabs on your child's progress. Now, nowadays, parents work. They don't have the opportunity to maybe be as involved as they would like with their kids' education. And me being a teacher, once my kids left elementary school and went to middle and high school, I suffered from the same struggles. Being in education and on different schedules, I wasn't always able to make it to parent-teacher conferences because nine times out of ten we had them on the same day. One of the things you can do is reach out. I would always, at the beginning of the year, send an email to my, my kids' teachers just to let them know 
hey, I'm here. I'd introduce myself, let them know that if they ever needed anything, had any questions or concerns, to don't hesitate and reach out. I let them know that due to my schedule, I wasn't necessarily able to attend some events or field trips and things like that. But just that little effort, let them know that I was here and I was a concerned parent and willing to be involved. So check in with your child's teacher. Next, ask questions. There are a lot of things about school and education and the way things are done now that may be different from when you were in school. So if it's something you don't know, don't hesitate to ask and reach out. Another thing coming off of summer, I'm going to let parents know if you've ever heard the term summer slide, it's real. What we call a summer slide is when school is out, kids run and play, and we don't necessarily think about making sure they keep up on reading. Parents, if you just make sure your kids read 15 to 20 minutes every day, and you can do the by, by having them read aloud to you, it might be while you're washing dishes it might be while you're cooking if you have a little bit of free time that small investment will give you a greater return it's research shows that during the summer most kids lose two to three grade levels of reading instruction so just spending that short amount of time is worth it help your kids with your homework now i'm gonna say that I say it wholeheartedly, but I also say that with um, a little bit of hesitancy because if you all have experienced working with your kids' homework or having them pulling out, some of the things that the children are doing now in elementary school is nothing like anything I have ever done when I was in school. You know, back we're from old school where it was drill and kill. You know, we had to memorize a lot of things, formulas or whatever. But the way kids are learning today, it's different, and the process is different. So help, and if you don't understand, ask questions. I've had that happen plenty of times where the parents were sending a note saying the kid didn't understand, and they didn't understand the process of how they do the work now, and the only way they know to teach them is the way that they learn. So we as teachers definitely give grace. Now, the next tip I'm going to give you is going to be controversial for a lot of parents, and that is limiting screen time. And I say that because now more than ever, screen time is a major contributing factor to the rise in inattentiveness that we see in our students in the classroom. They can focus, they have short attention span. And it's not that every kid is labeled, uh, or I consider all kids to be ADHD or attention deficit, but there is proven research that shows the amount of screen time that your child has is is uh, in direct correlation to the ability to maintain focus for extended amounts of time. So limit screen time. And also find ways to be to create learning experience experiences outside of school. There are many things that you can do or activities that you can do and find a learning component, a component in it, and do it with your child. Now, 
Sometimes you got to do it like you're sneaking in vegetables with their food. You know how we kind of blend it up in a spaghetti sauce. You don't want them to know that you're purposely trying to get them to learn things. But there are all kinds of ways that we can do it. So as we wrap it up, and I'm wrapped up my summer because it's gone, last and definitely not least, I know you started buying back-to-school supplies. You've gone shopping for clothes, shoes, and uniforms. I want to share with you some ways that you can prepare for getting your student ready for back-to-school. Number one is to begin easing into bedtime routines. I still have to do this, and my son is going into his junior year of high school. He has been staying up late, late nights and early mornings and sleeping well into the afternoons. So you want to go ahead and start that now. I know, depending on where you are, here the kids don't go back until August 9th. So this week, we're beginning to ease into bedtime routines. We're starting to push that bedtime up a little sooner. If you have littles, you definitely want to start the routines, you know, setting a time for bath time, you know, just winding down and get ready for bed. Not only do you want to work on creating a bedtime routine, you want to work on creating a morning routine. And that's setting a time that they get up. When you wake up, take a bath and get dressed. Just a simple steps in that routine makes a big difference. If you're a parent of a child, no matter what age we're talking about, from kindergarten to high school, you know what those mornings can be like when school starts back. Treacherous. Treacherous for us all. Next, you want to work on helping to get your student and yourself organized. I know I have to work on making sure I get all of my things together, backpack, by the door, lunch pack. Um, Moving into a back-to-school routine means it's going to impact your routine. So not only do we have to work on getting our kids organized, we want to work on organizing ourselves. Next, make sure you begin, and this is particularly, particularly geared toward my elementary school parents, fostering age-appropriate independence. There are a lot of times we want to pick their clothes, set them out, shoes, socks, packing their lunches. Start relinquishing some of that responsibility onto the child. And like I said, whatever is age appropriate, you might want to have them pick out their clothes. Uh, They can begin packing their lunches or choosing what they want for lunch. But doing that helps foster independence. Because I tell you, there's a big difference when of the expectation at school, the independence when it comes to moving from the primary grace to the intermediate. You know, with the littles, we tend to check their backpacks, pull out their folders, and the teachers are guilty of it as well. So just start making sure that they take ownership into those things and have a gradual release of those responsibilities. Most importantly, like I mentioned before, keep open lines of communication with your school and with the child's teacher. So with all that being said, I'm wishing you all a safe and successful school year. So until next time.